From the banks of the Colorado River in Lake Mead to the homes and businesses in Southern Nevada, welcome to Water Smarts, the podcast pumping from the heart of Las Vegas, where we engage with the experts who keep the water flowing throughout Southern Nevada. I'm Bronson Mack. And I'm Crystal Zelke. From how we treat it, deliver it, use it, protect it, and conserve it, the Water Smarts podcast is all about water in Southern Nevada. We hope to make you a little smarter about the one thing that keeps us all connected, water. Hey, Crystal, how are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. I am enjoying a little bit of Lake Mead's finest over some ice in my hydro flask. Can you hear that? I hear it. And guess what? I have one too, except I don't have ice in mine. I just put it water in there and <laughs> drink it. I like room temperature water. Honestly, I'm not an iced water kind of person. Right on. I can appreciate that. My wife was very much like the tepid water until... We started drinking them out of the hydro flask, and now she is all about the ice water. There's just, again, there's something about that cold water in there. But I appreciate the fact that that you got your hydro flask uh, sitting in your holster as well. I prefer mine on the rocks. You prefer yours straight up. That's fantastic. Hey, real quick, that is tap water, right? That's not bottled water? Absolutely. Yep. I don't buy bottled water. You'll never find bottled water in my house, except whenever we have a gathering or we have family over or a party or some sort. Sometimes I will buy bottled water. I absolutely hate it. I am not a bottled water person because I think it's wasteful. I don't like paying for it. Yes, me, my kids, my husband, we only drink tap water. We all have our own hydro flasks or metal containers. We have like a whole cabinet full of them. Everybody just drinks water out of them. I got to tell you, I'm so glad to hear that you have a full cabinet of them as well. We have a full cabinet of a reusable, whether they're the Nalgene's or, you know, a handful of Hydro Flasks, they get a little bit pricey. You know, it's the same thing at our house. We're definitely uh, on the tap water train, including that ice in there. In fact, I think you, much like I did, made all of your baby bottles with tap water as well. Yeah, absolutely. I've never, yeah, we've never used bottled water for anything around here. It's funny. I do like to joke the fact that uh, although I have two kids, and I made all of their baby bottles with tap water. They are really just average intelligence. You know, it didn't make them any smarter. It didn't make them any dumber. They're average intelligence and I'm really excited for that. I'm really glad that you're on the tap water train as well. Today, we have an awesome guest and we're going to talk a little bit about tap water and the quality of tap water. We are going to be joined by the Director of Water Quality and Treatment for the Southern Nevada Water Authority, Greg Codeweiss. It is going to be a great conversation. We're going to learn a little bit more about what it takes to make water safe. You ready to go, Crystal? Yeah, let's get to it. And we are welcoming Greg Codeweiss. Greg, you are the Director of Water Quality and Treatment for the Southern Nevada Water Authority. We appreciate you coming on the pod today. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to talking to you guys about water and water quality. Crystal and I are really glad that you're here and we appreciate your time. Talk to us a little bit about how you and your team treat the tap water that comes out of the faucets in every home and business pretty much in Southern Nevada. How do you guys treat that? How do you make sure that it's safe? First off, you know, as you know, we draw our water from Lake Mead. The intake is about 220 feet below the surface of the lake. So we receive very clear, cold water from the lower level of the lake. It's very high quality water. And then we take and we treat it at two of the most advanced water treatment facilities in the country. We use ozonation as our primary disinfection process. And then we filter the water to remove any particles. We add chlorine to protect it then as it leaves the treatment 
treatment plant to make sure that it stays safe all the way to the customer's tap. And then we add a corrosion control chemical to maintain water quality within the distribution system. And when I say we add a corrosion control chemical, we add orthophosphate. But just to put it in perspective, the orthophosphate level found in a liter of our drinking water is about 100 times lower than the phosphate level found in a can of cola. So you don't have to worry about that, but that small amount of phosphate we put in the water ensures that we're not going to have any lead or copper issues that have plagued some of our cities and communities and other parts of the country. Greg, you mentioned ozonation, and that's just, I know, one of several steps in the water treatment process. And SNWA actually makes its own ozone. Can you explain the process and why it's a good treatment process for our drinking water? Well, sure. First off, let's talk about ozone. Ozone's a strong, it's basically O3 or oxygen with an extra oxygen molecule added to it. And it oxidizes organic materials as well as iron, manganese, any trace pharmaceuticals and other substances when it's added to drinking water. It's a very effective disinfectant. So we basically take air at the treatment plants. We strip out nitrogen and the other associated gases to create about 95% pure oxygen. From there, we hit it with electricity. We kind of refer to it as lightning in a bottle because we zap the oxygen with the electricity and that creates the O3 molecule that we can then infuse into the water. Within nature, ozone is created by lightning. And so we've kind of duplicated that process here at our treatment plants. And one thing about ozone is it will kill and destroy bacteria about 3,200 times faster than chlorine. And it's interesting the way it does it. The ozone molecules end up bumping into the bacteria. And so they basically poke holes and weaken the cell membranes. And so the viruses and the bacteria then rupture and ooze out their insides. The insides come out and it's hit with more ozone and that'll basically destroy the virus completely. And so it takes care of just about any virus. And in fact, it'll take care of coronavirus as well. Wait a minute. You just indicated that the ozonation process cracks open these viruses or bugs or any microorganisms and then they ooze their insides. How do you actually make sure the water is clean then if you've got all of these micro particles oozing their insides, Greg? The ozone then will basically react with the inside to further degrade that. And then as it goes through the process, we also use coagulation to take all those particles. We turn it into larger particles and then we take those particles through the filters and they will filter out just about any particles that are left. And so the water that comes through the process, we measure it using a turbidity measurement. And our turbidity is about 10 times below what the EPA standard is almost on a daily basis. One of the other side effects and benefits of ozone is it doesn't form disinfection byproducts that that can be caused by the reaction of chlorine with organic matter. In addition to being an excellent disinfectant, it also doesn't create any sort of what we would call disinfection byproducts or residual byproducts. Greg, you mentioned coronavirus, and that seems to be all that everybody's talked about in the last year. We've heard an awful lot about it. What does that have to do with our water supply and how do you look for it in our water supply? Well, first off, one of the things that has happened within all the research that's being done around the world is the actual RNA strands were identified and mapped by scientists around the world. And so what we do is we look not only for the virus, but we look for the actual RNA fingerprints that would remain within the water supply if there was the virus. And we have never found the viral remains, the RNA, and we have never found a, a virus within 
within our treated water supply. We've never found it in the sampling we've done from Lake Mead. We've never found it within the Las Vegas wash, which carries the treated wastewater and urban runoff. And we check, we were checking initially every single week for the coronavirus. But because we haven't found it, we've just gone to monthly monitoring in terms of the virus. Based on our research, as well as the research around the world, you would not expect to find the coronavirus in any sort of drinking water. And for the most part, you're not gonna find it in any sort of surface water. One of the things that we did do, we took a look in conjunction with some other research that we did, we found in talking to experts around the world that you can find the RNA or the viral fingerprint of coronavirus in raw sewage. And so we have started testing through that in fact, getting raw sewage samples from our colleagues over at the sewage treatment facilities around the valley, they've been providing us samples and then we are testing for it within the raw sewage water. That is pretty impressive. So we have been able to identify the RNA or the detectable fingerprint, if you will, of the coronavirus in wastewater, the raw sewage that goes into a wastewater treatment plant. But you also indicated that you do sampling on the backside of that treatment plant, which is the discharge out to the Las Vegas wash. And you have found no indicators of coronavirus there. Is that correct? That's absolutely correct. We can find the fingerprint or the RNA going into the water treatment plants, but the wastewater treatment plants will destroy that RNA itself. So we don't find it within the Las Vegas wash or Lake Mead or the water coming into our intakes. One of the interesting things about finding that RNA is there's a whole medical field that basically looks at wastewater and it's called wastewater epidemiology. Dr. Dan Garrity and Dr. Katrina Papp who work here have taken a look at the wastewater and they've been measuring the amount of the RNA that they're finding in the raw wastewater. And then we provide that to the community health people so that they can verify that the clinical testing that they're doing matches up with the amount of viral RNA we're finding in the wastewater. It's just another data point for them to use as they track the spread of the virus within the community. But again, we won't find that particular RNA anywhere in our treated wastewater. And one of the interesting things about that is those same techniques can be used to look for other types of issues within the community. Norovirus is one that it can be used for, as well as illicit drug use within the community can be found in the wastewater streams. And so we've kind of built off that wastewater epidemiology and we're working with and collaborating with people around the world to try to figure out how we may potentially utilize that to track spread in the community. Yeah, that's really interesting because I've seen some, uh, I know they're doing some of that kind of research and some of that kind of testing and monitoring at the University of Arizona down in Tucson. They've been able to actually monitor some of the dorm activity there and they've actually headed off, my understanding is at least one or two different outbreaks being able to do some early detection from asymptomatic students through wastewater epidemiology. Very cool that kind of process and research is being done here in Southern Nevada out at our water quality laboratory. One other point, I guess, that's really interesting there. So they're detecting coronavirus going into the wastewater treatment plants, not picking it up or detecting it on the backside of those wastewater treatment plants, further confirming that here in Southern Nevada, our wastewater agencies are really treating our waste water or raw sewage to an extremely high level that allows it to be safely returned back to Lake Mead. I think that's obviously one of those impressive things that we do here to maximize water resources in Southern Nevada. 
As far as leading edge water quality research, which you've just described there with some of this coronavirus wastewater epidemiology work, uh, can you tell us a little bit more about some of the other efforts of water quality and water quality research by SNWA? Sure. We go way above and beyond the requirements that any water agency would have. And in fact, we have an entire department dedicated to working within the water community on research for different types of contaminants at very, very small levels. We also take a look at innovative technologies and processes that we can implement within Las Vegas, as well as the overall drinking water community. And in fact, we have over 12 PhDs or scientific doctors working with a variety of chemists, microbiologists on a variety of research projects or going well above and beyond, as well as advancing the technology and the expertise for the uh, entire country in terms of drinking water quality. Be a water smart hero. Save money using smart technology. Investing in a smart irrigation controller is now easier than ever. Thanks to the Southern Nevada Water Authority's rebate, which offers 50% off the purchase price, up to 100 bucks to help you out. The smart irrigation controller adjusts your yard's watering schedule in accordance with the weather. So when it rains, your smart controller will do all the work and adjust your landscape watering accordingly. And you can control it all from your smartphone, making it easier to change your watering schedule and follow Southern Nevada's seasonal watering restrictions. Be water smart and update your irrigation controller today and start saving water and money. Details are available at snwa.com. I get an interesting question from a lot of people when I tell them that I work for the Las Vegas Valley Water District and the Southern Nevada Water Authority, and that's if I actually drink the tap water. And I do. I grew up here. I've always had the tap water. I love to tell people why they shouldn't drink bottled water over our tap water. But a lot of people do say that they don't like the taste of our tap water. And that's especially true for people who've moved here from other places. So what is it that's in our water that people are usually sensing when they drink it. So as I mentioned earlier, we add chlorine in order to make sure that the water stays disinfected up to your tap. And the most important thing to keep in mind is that taste is not an indicator of overall water safety. So the fact that we add the chlorine in there is basically to make sure our water is always safe as it gets to the customer's tap. And then because our water comes from the Colorado River, it does tend to have a high mineral content, higher than other communities in the United States, and that can create a chalky flavor. I guess that. That's an interesting thing to point out there, Greg, because, yeah, coming from the Colorado River, that's water that has passed through the Grand Canyon. That's water that has been in Lake Powell. Obviously, with passing through the Grand Canyon, you know, that's quite a bit of erosion that has occurred over the years. And so those naturally occurring minerals just kind of get suspended there in the water as they're making their way down from the highest reaches of the Colorado Rockies. Yes, that's correct. And certainly you can use a carafe with an act activated carbon filter. That's going to help improve your taste, even though it won't really remove the hardness or the minerals. But there are other home water treatment systems. Again, they're not necessary for water safety, but they can improve the taste and hardness that you may want to get rid of for the water in your house. Yeah. And I guess that would even include sink mounted RO systems, those small reverse osmosis systems. You brought up the activated carbon filters for the carafes, those pitchers that you can keep. I guess all of those are good ways in which you can continue to enjoy the tap water here in Southern Nevada and maybe improve its taste a little bit. One thing I always noticed as a kid growing up here is that anytime I went to another community and the one that stands out is Phoenix, the taste of the Phoenix tap water was definitely different than the Las Vegas tap water. Wasn't any better, 
wasn't any worse, but it was just one of those things that is definitely different. I guess really that's going to be community to community. And maybe the place where you get some consistency in the taste is with bottled water. Can you just share a little bit about your knowledge as a water quality expert, a little bit about bottled water? How is that tested and monitored? And is it the same as tap water? An interesting thing about bottled water is about 60% of bottled water is actually just filtered tap water. But the important thing to remember is that bottled water is not under or regulated by the EPA. So drinking water, the EPA sets and they enforce the health-based standards. In fact, the water industry itself is one of the most regulated industries by the government that there is overall within the United States. And so they set limits, the EPA does, for contaminants and water safety at the tap water and we're required to send the state every single month we send them a water quality report indicating to them the quality of the water that leaves the treatment plants and then we also publish a water quality report via the las vegas valley water district or the city of henderson or north las vegas or boulder city that shows the community and our customers the overall results of water testing and analysis the thing to bear in mind about bottled water is it's not regulated by the epa it's regulated by the food and drug administration and so while their water does come from an approved source, they don't have to make their test results public. And so when you're drinking out of your bottled water, you're not going to know the actual results that the company who made that water put into that particular bottle. And then the other thing to bear in mind is the overall environmental impact of bottled water. If you think about 17 million barrels of oil that are needed to produce the plastic that the water is in every single year in the United States, that's just a significant amount of fossil fuel and natural resources that's being utilized. And the other thing is the cost of our tap water is significantly less than bottled water. So if you are able and willing to drink our tap water, you're going to save yourself some money and also help the environment a little bit while you're doing that. And if you're more interested in the water quality report, snwa.com has the water quality report and you can see all the testing that we do. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because that's kind of one of the reasons I harp on people about when I see all the plastic water bottles. I'm like, it takes more water to make that plastic bottle than the water inside of the bottle. I just doesn't make sense to me, but I digress. Greg, what about the hardness of our water? We also get a lot of questions about that. And also common thing that we'll see in the summertime, especially here in Southern Nevada is cloudy water. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. The cloudy or the milky water is caused by air bubbles. So if you take a glass of water that's milky or cloudy and you put it on your counter and you watch the glass, you'll see the water clear from the bottom up as the air slowly dissipates out of the water. And the reason for that is, is some of the water in the summertime in some parts of the community comes from wells. And so we've injected water into those wells in the winter in terms of our aquifer storage and recovery program. And when we pull it out in the summer, many times there will be some air entrained in that water. And that's what you're seeing when uh, when that cloudiness clears from the bottom up. In terms of the hardness, because it comes from the Colorado River, it's going to have a lot of minerals in it. The most prevalent is going to be calcium carbonate. If you look at the bathtub ring, quote, bathtub they'll bring around Lake Mead. That's what you're seeing is a calcium carbonate that's basically deposited. You can get a water softener that certainly will remove the hardness. It's not going to improve your water quality or make your water safer. It's basically just going to remove the calcium carbonate within the water. But with any sort of filtration system for your home, one thing to remember is you need to maintain your filters. No different than the filters you replace for your air conditioning. You need to replace the filters within your carafes or within your 
RO system, just something to keep in mind to do the maintenance on your water system. Hey, Greg, one other question here is we're just wrapping up. As far as what the Southern Nevada Water Authority does and what you're doing out at the treatment plant and the folks at the lab doing all of the testing and everything, what are those standards? I mean, obviously, these aren't just some standards that the Southern Nevada Water Authority has made up. Talk to us just briefly and give our audience a little bit of understanding. Like, What are the standards that you're meeting when it comes to drinking water quality? Well, certainly we have to meet, we have to maintain a certain amount of removal or kill for viruses or bacteria, especially cryptosporidium is one of the main things that we have to make sure that we either kill it or that we filter it out. And in fact, we test for over 160 regulated or unregulated contaminants every single year. So we collect over 50,000 water samples and we run almost 300,000 analyses on those samples. And so the water is monitored 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. And as the water goes through the treatment plants, we are continuously measuring and recording the data as the water goes through the plants. And if in fact some parameters are exceeded, our treatment plants will automatically shut down so that we ensure that the water that we're delivering the customers meets all the standards as outlined by the federal government under the Safe Drinking Water Act and that our customers are getting the best water that we can deliver every day, 24-7, 365. So Greg, for the record, can I drink the tap water? Absolutely. I drink the tap water. I've been here since 1989 and I drink the tap water every day. And real quick, just to check, you still only have 10 fingers and 10 toes? 10 fingers and 10 toes. Absolutely. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Well, we're glad to hear that at least you haven't grown more fingers or more more toes <laughs> for drinking that tap water that you make sure that you provide to all 2.2 million people in Southern Nevada. Greg Codewise, the Director of Water Quality and Water Treatment for the Southern Nevada Water Authority, the guy that makes sure that that all of the water that comes out of your tap is meeting or surpassing those safe drinking water standards. We really appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on to the Water Smarts Podcast. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Right on. We'll see you again, Greg. Thank you. Take care. The Water Smarts Podcast is brought to you by the Southern Nevada Water Authority, which reminds you to follow the mandatory seasonal watering restrictions. You can find your assigned watering days on snwa.com. The watering seasons change four times a year. Look, we're all busy. We know it can be difficult to remember to change your irrigation clock each season, but making sure you're watering on only your assigned watering days will help our community weather the drought we've been facing for the past 20 years. Need some help to remember to change your sprinkler clock? Text the word CONSERVE to 85357 and you'll get text messages reminding you to change your sprinkler clock each season. As a reminder, you may water only on one assigned day in winter, three assigned days in fall and spring, and up to six days a week in summer, but never on Sundays. Get your seasonal watering reminders sent to you via text by texting the word CONSERVE to 85357. Well, that's it for this episode of Water Smarts. We hope that you subscribe and listen next time. And if you have a question or would like to hear a future topic on Water Smarts, send us an email. You can reach us at watersmarts at snwa.com. We'll be sure to get back with you and we'll see you next time here on Water Smarts. Water Smarts.